You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To another fun, fun, fun edition of Darth Amin's Rule of Two. I am your Sith Lord, Darth Amin. I'm joined, as always, by my, not my Padawan, my apprentice, Darth Corn Puzzle, a.k.a. Anthony Mays. Is it fun? You don't sound too excited, Amin. Oh, man, it's just, it's a lot, man. The Darksaber is heavy in your hands today. Man, I know you guys love this content. It's a lot to break down. And so I feel like I can't break it down as thoroughly as usual because I just want to get through it. Mm. (laughs) But I thought we got two very good episodes this week, Maze. I was thoroughly entertained. You know, my rule of thumb when it comes to Bad Batch is pretty consistent now. Is this part of a bigger story? Yes, I'm with it. Is it a one-off adventure? No, I'm not with it. Well, this week in Bad Batch, we got the return of... Crosshair. Haven't seen him since the Solitary Clone episode. It's been a while. It's been a while indeed where Commander Cody realizes like this shit is kind of bogus. But if you remember in that episode, Crosshair's still down for the cause. He's still good soldiers follow orders and unmoved, unwavered by some of the realizations that some of the other loyal clones are slowly coming to. Well, they finally broke him. Mm-hmm. They finally treated him like shit enough for him to realize, hey, they, just, they don't see me as anything other than a piece of shit. So I'm glad that happened. We start off at the clone base on Coruscant. Bunch of troops walking through, and they're all stormtroopers, Maze. If you, I don't know if you noticed, all those troops mm. walking, they are not clones because the clones are being TYFYS'd by some yawning imp who basically says oh yeah man thanks enjoy retirement the clones of course are not happy about this we know that from the two episode arc earlier this season where we got a lot of clone politics crosshair meets his commanding officer for his next mission who's a real asshole he's really ugly too yeah got an ugly face very punchable face Super Aryan Nolan. Nolan is the asshole imp who, when told that he's going to be working with clones, kind of sneers and says, I don't like used equipment. And I was like, I hope this guy gets it. I really do. I was like, I don't like him. So they're going to Barton 4. And I said, Will Barton? 
They're supposed to go figure out why this outpost keeps getting hit. They keep getting robbed by raiders. They get there. They find there ain't no clones around. They finally run into the clone commander Mayday. Ask him, what's the deal? He said, you guys were supposed to be here 36 rotations ago. That's days in Star Wars language. Mm -hmm. Did you get lost? And then we get a little snippy back and forth between Nolan and Mayday. Nolan calls him a trooper. Mayday corrects him. Actually, it's commander, you little asswipe. And he tells him the the reason why there aren't soldiers everywhere is because they're all dead. It's just me, Hex, and Veach that are left. There's lots of tension going on between the imp and the clone. The imp keeps talking shit. And at some point, my man Mayday pulls his card and says, hey, man, you ever lead some shit before in the field? How many missions have you commanded? He hit him with how many rings have you won, Maze? Raiders are hitting them for the cargo boxes. And Crosshair and them boys are there to help stop this from happening. Crosshair and Mayday have a conversation where Mayday says we're told to protect the cargo at all costs. Crosshair says, what's in the boxes? What's in the box? Yeah. Wonder the same thing every day. Crosshair's like, what, you don't know? Mayday says it's apparently above a clone trooper's pay grade. This is, again, to demonstrate, even as the Empire treats them like shit, doesn't tell them anything, doesn't give them the support they need. They've got sensors that are breaking down because of the weather conditions. Mayday has requested replacements. They don't get them. They really don't care for this dude at all any of them, any of the clones, and yet these guys are so loyal, such good soldiers, they just put up with it for the most part. Get some animal called an ice vulture that's flying overhead. It's like a vulture, but it's an ice planet. Raiders attack again. Crosshair gets into a crow's nest, starts picking off people. As he's tracking one of them, they blow up the shuttle while Crosshair is looking through the scope. And I wrote ass off for crosshair when the shuttle explodes Mm. because he is acting his ass off as someone who's been blinded. Nolan is angry, says, yo, you guys let them rob you again? And I was like, yeah, we don't have any men. Like, well, then go get them crates. It's like just a couple of crates. It doesn't matter. No, you got to get them. All right, give me some men. Like, no. So this dude's solution is to send two guys off to get however many crates. Mm-hmm. There's a tunnel that the Raiders use. They follow the path down the tunnel. There's a dead guy in the tunnel. I don't know what bothers me more. He's wearing armor from my men or that they left him here. And Crosshair says no sense in carrying dead weight. Mm. Future callback. Yeah, remind me not to die on your watch. Huh. Very telling back and forth here between these two ss live forever oh man they're walking and crosshair steps on a pressure mine long story short mayday doesn't defuse it but like he keeps it pressed down so that crosshair can get off of it while complaining about how he doesn't have equipment the whole time it's really weird because he does complaining about the mundane day-to-day about they don't give a shit around here. It's like someone in an office complaining about never having enough staples or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But then he also does small talk. He's like, all right, so what unit were you with? And Crosshair doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, come on, man, like just humor me here while we pass the time. So he says, Clone Force 99. And Maze, I don't know about you, but I thought it was kind of weird and cool that Mayday was like, all right, well, like he has no idea. Yeah. Because sometimes, oh, they're so famous. Everyone knows about Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch. And here's this guy's again, whatever. So where are they? And Crosshair says, they're gone, which isn't a lie. It's not, I didn't lie any. I also just didn't tell you the entire truth. They eventually find where these people are. They wage an attack. 
find the cargo. They open the cargo and film noir. The cargo is gear and it's not clone trooper gear. Stormtrooper equipment that had the clones had this, maybe they'd still be alive right now. Right, because his gear is essentially wearing cloth fabric Yes, at this point. His helmet is like wrapped together. At first I thought it was like mm. some weird tactical terrain thing. And I'm like, no, nope. this is just duct tape. This dude has his shit duct tape. Yep. Which again, lends to and kind of illustrates just how little of a shit the Empire has given for these clones. And we'll find out later, spoiler alert, this is the plan. They're actively trying to weed them all out. You know what it's like, Maze? It's like... When you have a bunch of pennies in your car. Pennies? What's a penny, I mean? Exactly. Hold on. <laughs> so back in the day, there were these, these metal <laughs> things called coins. And the smallest version of this was one cent. It's called a penny. And so when you would buy things, you would get change back. When you go buy stuff, things are never nice, even numbers, like $7. It's usually like six fifty nine or six forty two. And so you get change back, and some of it will be in the form of these coins, pennies. But when you're in your car, sometimes they accumulate, right? Because you don't really ever pay in pennies. They just come back and change. So every once in a while, you just grab a handful of these pennies, and you get rid of them. Not because this is a form of payment or whatever. Literally, because I'm just trying to get rid of them. I just want them out of here. And that's kind of how the Empire is viewing and using these clones. Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party. Because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Oh my gosh. Folks, gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. An avalanche happens. Crosshair says, you're not going to die on, not on my watch. And he carries him all the way back to the base. To show that he's changed from being so callous 10 minutes ago. No, callous was in Rebels. It's someone else. Oh, <laughs> no. so sorry. A little Star Wars humor for those of you that caught it. To show change, to show growth, right? Like, oh, he's finally getting it. Like, these are my brothers and should fight for them or whatever. So they get back to the base and what do they see? But a shit ton of stormtroopers. Yep. They moved in overnight. And they got so much cargo. So much cargo. It's bustling. Literally, like, this whole mission where they almost died was completely irrelevant and pointless. They could have just, at any time, had done this the next day with a shit ton of stormtroopers and absolutely annihilated these raiders. So this dude's dying, and Crosshair's like, yo, call a medic. And Nolan's like, nah. <laughs> this shit costs money. Like, that shit ain't free. We're good. And does the shit talk souffle of someone who's about to get their ass kicked. I won't lie, Maze. I said this like, is Crosshair really going to do it or is he going to go along with this shit again? You're going to let him punk him out. You're the Empire's bitch, Crosshair. You're going to be the bitch again. And finally, as Nolan's walking away, he's like, hey, Nolan. Nolan turns around and gives it to him right in the chest. And I'm like, oh, last been waiting for this. And then he passes out and awakens in an operating chamber. He's greeted by Emery Carr, who we literally just met in the Metamorphosis episode, which means that Crosshair is at the same lab where we know everybody's headed. So this means that Crosshair will likely be reunited with Clone Force 99 by the end of the season. Finally. And we're in Mount Tantus. And by the way, Maze... Is Emery a clone? Because she's voiced by the same woman that plays Omega. Hmm. She kind of looks rather clonish. I mean... Uh, so them glasses. I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess that they just reuse voice actors a lot. Okay. On notice. Put that on the list of things that we suspect. All right. So, you know me. This for me was mwah, perfection. This was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. I love Crosshair's character development. I love the bigger overarching story of how do you retire an army of people who literally exist just to be in an army. These people are not suited for civilian life, in essence. At least most of them aren't. There are some who, who do and have, but most of them are like, if we're not soldiers, then what are we? Real identity crisis. You know, we talked about when we did that two-episode arc a few weeks ago, Football players, right? Like, if you're not playing football, if you're retired from the NFL, what am I supposed to do now? Because my whole life has been about achieving this career goal, and now that I did it and it's over, like, what am I supposed to do? So there's that, and there's the come-to-Jesus moment that's happened for Crosshair. And as you mentioned, Maze, now that he's at Tantus, maybe he gets reunited with the boys, maybe become a family again, right? Because they never stop loving him and caring about him. Seems like it. He bonds with this clone mayday. He's fully turned off by the Empire. They won't even support him to do what he loves to do anymore. So it's time. It's time for him to rejoin the Bad Batch. 
let's move on to Mandalorian. And episode two of season three takes us to the living waters of Mandalore, which is in the mines underneath the cities of Mandalore. That's where the Beskar came from. That's where he's got to go to bathe himself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka in order to redeem himself for removing his helmet, according to the Children of the Watch. We open in Tatooine at Moss Espa. Helimoto back. She's back and she's grifting some rich Rodian. This is a great scam. So it's Boon to Eve. Yes. She's got Jawas running around, stripping speeders, and then the speeder owner comes to her to get it fixed up. She says it's going to take a long time. And then once the Rodian leaves, the Jawas come from back around the corner and put the speeder back together, just like that. Maze. What's Boonta Eve? Sounds familiar. Oh, it's my favorite holiday. I'm a big fan of Life Day, personally. I was channeling my young Anakin Skywalker there. He's a huge fan. Boonta is this holiday that they celebrate, I believe, on Tatooine. It's named after one of the huts. Boonta Hestilic Shadru'u. He was a badass. Ascended to godhood. Boonta is the big holiday, and Maze is right. They celebrate it in Phantom Menace. According to Pelimoto, I guess people get fucked up. Yeah. Live for Boonta Eve. You know what I'm saying? Our boy Mando shows up and asks for a part for the IG droid. Remember, he was trying to get fixed IG-11. And Peli says, yo, get them Jawas before they hit the bar. They just left here. But the Jawas don't have it. They ain't got it. So she sells them on, hey, you should get R5. This is ridiculous. This is the most ridiculous. It's a ridiculous grift, but it's even a more ridiculous storyline. It's all ridiculous. So R5, it may come as a shock to some of you. The R5 is not new. <gasps> Nay, R5 is one of the earliest characters in all of Star Wars. Not talking about he started at 100 BBY. I'm talking about in our world, in the Star Wars universe of shows and movies. Literally one of the, one of the first ones. When Luke buys R2 and C3PO because Uncle Owen tells him he needs a protocol droid and whatever. Mm -hmm. Originally, the astromech he buys is not R2, it's R5. But R5 has a bad motivator and it blows a gasket. And as a result, Luke says in a rather whiny voice, Uncle Owen, this R5's got a bad motivator. And so they end up getting R2 instead, which of course is extremely fortuitous if you think about it because R2 has... The Death Star plans and the message that needs to go to Obi-Wan, who, of course, knows exactly who Luke is, but Luke just knows him as some crazy old man. And the number of coincidences required at that moment. Well, apparently it's not a coincidence. I mean, I always thought that R2 sabotaged R5, but apparently he convinced R5 to sabotage himself. Really? That's the story? That's what it says, man. The story I always believed was, that seems like leaving a lot up to chance, and I was told well, that's how the Force works. Mm. Basically, the Force willed it for R5 to go bust. It would fit with R5's cowardly nature, which is on yes. full display for the rest of the episode. Oh, my God. R5 apparently was also in Attack of the Clones. He's been around in both senses since we started having Star Wars, and also in the sense of, in the Star Wars universe, he's been around for a long... He's a very old droid. This is not cutting edge. And Pelimoto is 100% full of shit. He doesn't like adventure. No. He's literally shaking as she's saying all these things. Yeah. I blame Din for being droidist. 
So he doesn't know any better. They all look alike to him. After a whole thing about how he needs a specific droid IG-11, now he's just easily talked into R5. R5's coming aboard. Also, we skipped over the Rogu cuteness where Uh, Pelimoto wants to see her little guy, and then he does a flying flip into her arms and gurgles some stuff. She says he said his first word, Pelly. I don't give a shit about that. But I do give a shit about her asking him, are the huts back? Yes. Backfilling exposition for Book of Boba, which was in the previously on this week. Thanks a lot, Filoni. So now we're flying to Mandalore and we get a little exposition of what Mandalore was like. It was once green and beautiful when the songs were written. I've never been there either. I grew up there, and he points to a far-off moon, and that moon is Concordia. Mm -hmm. Concordia is where Death Watch was exiled to when they got kicked off of Mandalore because Mandalore tried to be pacifist for a little bit of time. And so they were on Concordia, and that's where Din Djarin grew up. They land on Mandalore, and it's almost like glass, right? Like the whole planet. Yeah, it looked like the shard that he showed the armorer last week. R5 drops out to go check on atmosphere, and then he falls off the radar, so then has to go looking for him. Also, he just pressurizes his helmet, and it's fine. He can go out in the questionable atmosphere. Yeah. So really, this whole... I need a droid to do this thing. Plotline has fallen apart rather quickly. Yeah. He goes in towards the mine and gets ambushed by three cave trolls, the Alamites. And his blaster isn't really working that well. Luckily, he has this dark saber, but still not any better at doing the dark saber moves. Still suck at it, bro. What you've been doing this whole time? You know, practicing? What the fuck, man? Come on. Get your shit together. Once you realize. It is not the Darksaber that moves. It is only yourself. He saves R5. They come back out. He asks me the readings. And surprise, surprise. It's fine. Mandalore is not cursed at all. You can breathe. Everything's good. So he grabs Grogu. They go inside into the ruins. And the ruins are immense and deep. He flies out on his jetpack. Grogu's little hovering pram, which is what they have it listed as can fly which is very nice floats but also has i guess little little thrusters or whatever mm-hmm. they get down there he sees what looks like a mandalorian helmet in the sand and he picks it up and it is fried and a lot of people have brought this up you know in star wars rebels sabine wren created a weapon that fries beskar maybe that happened who knows but guess what it's a trap it's a trap shout out to admiral akbar and i said what is this thing because it looked like a huge ass crab A droid crab. Crab, spider, whatever. And there's a little eyeball thing that's driving this, what turns out to be larger robot suit. It gets out of that larger robot suit. It gets into a smaller General Grievous type suit. It's got all kinds of different things. It takes Din. It puts him in a rotisserie spit. The whole thing reminded me of Return of the Jedi when they're captured by the Ewoks. And they got him strung up. Just tosses the Darksaber and his blaster to the side. Doesn't even try to check it out. Grogu is observing all of this when he tries to break him out with the force and makes a bunch of noise. Din just says, get Bo-Katan. So Grogu hover prams his way out of there. Grogu comes back out. He's got to fight some of these bullshit-ass animals on the way out. Yeah, the Alamite shows up, and then we just see the Alamite get tossed, and then the next shot, the Alamite is nowhere to be found. He just ran away after that. They put it in all the trailers. I felt like Zach Harper. That would have been a really cool scene 
had I not known exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Gets into the thing. He points to the screen to tell the droid. I was, I was like, how is he going to communicate to the droid? <laughs> it just pointed like he was at McDonald's. Like he just pointed at the Happy Meals. They go to Bo-Katan's planet. Bo-Katan, I have the note here, is going through it hard, man. I mean, like, depression is hitting her hard AF. Yeah, she's crouched over on the throne. She looks very unhappy. And when her droid tells her they have an unexpected visitor, she says, let's get rid of him once and for all, which is a pretty ominous line until she walks out and i guess her way of getting rid of him once and for all is by nagging i thought i told you not to come back here i wanted to leave forever and never come back and then film noir it's grogu grogu by himself and so she realizes something is wrong gets in her ship which we've seen before in clone wars and on rebels and they fly to mandalore they go down there and she shows off that she's a badass by kicking some of these Alamites' asses. She gives us a lot of exposition. A lot of exposition. She knew Jedi. Jedi and Mandalorians once got along well. Grogu's getting better with the Force. And then she gives us the name Alamites. Did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? <laughs> and then Grogu says, he's not my dad, bitch. He's my stepdad. <laughs> We're partners. I'm older than him. She also remarks <laughs> that because... The Alamites survived, and they used to live outside the city. She wonders what else survived. They foreshadowing. This eyeball creature is apparently draining Din's blood. Sucking. Siphon, sucking. I don't know to what end, but draining Din. I think I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then Bo-Katan finds the fallen Darksaber, and she is smooth with it. I mean, now... That's someone who's been practicing. I don't know what she's been practicing with, but that motherfucker is nice with it. It's a totally different weapon in her hands. She takes out this eyeball creature small suit, but then it gets into an even smaller thing and crawls over to the big suit. But she takes that out easily as well. Just one long dark saber drag down the middle. She gets Din out, takes him all the way back up out of the mines to revive him. What is this soup that she feeds Din here? I mean, Pog Soup. Have we encountered this before? I have not seen Pog Soup before. When I hear Pog, think of a completely different term. Ah, yes. Apparently, it's a Capri Sun for Mandalorians. Everybody had one growing up. And then I have to ask about this. She just wielded the Darksaber. She gives it back to him. And they don't even talk about it. And I'm stuck on this because... I thought for sure coming out of season two, this would be Bo-Katan's goal would be to get it back. I guess semantics on whether Din was defeated and if it actually properly changed hands here. But why would she use it and then give it back? Why is she being so chill about this? I mean, because she needs to win it in combat in order for it to be hers because they're crazy, stupid Mandalorian beliefs. They think that what happened to Mandalore is a curse, and it's a curse because she accepted the Darksaber as a gift from Sabine Wren in Star Wars Rebels as opposed to defeating her in combat. So that's what the armorer would say to Bo. The question is, do you think Bo believes it? Well, that seems to be what her emo sitting on the throne deep in thought stuff is about and all of her followers abandoning her. She's definitely thinking about it, but I keep waiting for her to make a turn and 
try to fight Din or whatever, but it's definitely not happening. So he's insistent that they go down to the water. She says she'll take him herself. She mockingly reads the sign next to the living waters. Keeps talking about how she doesn't believe it. It's nothing magical. She got baptized when she was a kid, but it's not a big deal. Din takes off his jetpack, importantly, but not all of his stuff. Starts wading out into the waters of Lake Minnetonka and then falls off a cliff of these stairs and sinks so fast. I mean, he's already at the bottom before Bo-Katan can dive in and jetpack down. She rescues him. They're coming back up. And then we see a giant eyeball. Oh, it's the mythosaur from the beginning of the movie. Oh, come on. You guys are unscarable. So the mythosaur was a creature that apparently is like the dinosaurs of Mandalore and that the first Mandalorians tamed them and used to ride them. They basically domesticated them and ride them as war animals. Think about like war elephants. And that's why the symbol of Mandalore is that weird tusk skull thing. It's the skull of a mythosaur. But the mythosaurs all went extinct, Maze, or so we thought. Yes. So this has a profound effect on Bo after crapping on the mythology and the magic element of this. She sees one in the flesh. Also, the armor talks about how the mythosaur rising again could foretell a new age for Mandalore and the rebirth. Yes. But the funniest part, I mean, is that the mythosaur came from the Star Wars holiday special. Yes. That's the first time we see it is Boba Fett riding one. And so the way that they've managed to fold this into the narrative is pretty amazing. By the way, it was kind of foreshadowed a little bit in Book of Boba Fett when Boba rode the Rancor. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's kind of like when Boba rode the Mythosaur in the Star Wars Holiday Special, which of course is not canon anymore. Not canon. But it was a nice little tie-in now. And who's going to save Mandalore? Who's going to be the savior? Will it be Bo-Katan? Will it be Din Djarin? Will it be someone else? It remains to be seen, Maze, but definitely a lot of excitement for the story arc of this season because I thought it was going to take them a lot longer to get to Mandalore. Yeah, that's the main thing is everything we talked about last week seemed like they were setting up for a full season arc and we forgot all about ig11 and we went to the minds of mandalore immediately so now it's wide open for the rest didn't need him didn't need him at all that's gonna do it for us here rule of two again we'll have another double dipper next week i'm gonna try not to lose my goddamn mind (laughs) i simultaneously can't wait for bad batch to end and also Oh, Bad Batch is getting good now. Like, I don't want it to end. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. One thing's for sure, though, Maze, I don't like used equipment.
friends a lot has changed over the years personally and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975 and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house. And I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.